Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. It's the Roto World Football Show. I am Patrick Doherty, joined by Danny Carter and Kyle Dvorak, where we will continue to assess the fallout from the 2023 NFL Draft. Take a little look ahead, some vexing dynasty draft questions, assess some of the minor news that's come out this week. Jarek McKinnon has finally re-signed with the Chiefs. I'm going to ask Kyle and Denny if Anthony Richardson's the QB1 in dynasty drafts, like Superflex, two QB dynasty drafts, he wasn't. What I'm doing today, who should be the QB2? Uh, it's about the news. Apparently, the Dolphins, Mike McDaniel, lobbied heavily for Devin A. Shane. Uh, Denny wants to talk about some players that didn't get drafted. Uh, so there's some, some other stuff going on. You sound so excited about it. I know. So Denny, though, too, also wanted to talk about there's a huge signing, altering the league landscape on Wednesday. Yeah. Randall Cobb has followed Aaron Rodgers to the New huge. York Jets. And Denny just had some thoughts on, you know, because Aaron Rodgers has been remembering some guys as he yes. signed the Green Bay Packers. He is remembering – he's the, the, just as we began this podcast, actually, two-year, $12 million deal for Jermichael Finley and the Green Bay and the New York Jets. Um, <laughs> Come on. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is remembering some guys. Tom Brady remembered some guys when he was the right. Bucs quarterback. But Denny argues – it's a much different situation there. It's a little, little. I think context is important here, as as it usually is. By the way, I don't think, honestly, Pat, I don't think we can joke about Jermichael Finley signing with the Jets because no, probably not <laughs> because there's like a decent chance that Finley, who has been retired for nine years, could come back for this. You know, Kyle, do you remember Jermichael Jermichael Finley real quick? Not really. I know his name, but you're you're well, out of my league. He was he was like he was like Megatron tight end. He was he was one of like the original. Yeah, like Rotoviz dynasty superstars, yes. basically. Man, very excited I like about. I like this. I'll have to look he, into his game. He had real draft capital too, though. He wasn't like Tyler Johnson or something, where he was like, no, 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 no. He was he was very exciting. Unfortunately, I mean, I think he suffered a serious brain injury. But anyway, Ooh, uh, we're uh, we're all, we're we're back to Randall Cobb now. Now, this is first. I, there are so many points I want to make, but first, the first point is that Aaron Rodgers is an expert gaslighter. Okay, <laughs> he is. An he actually is. He can't he at it. He, so he gaslighted every football fan in, gaslit, in the world. Get gaslit at, by saying, by saying there is no wish list. I have no wish list for players. It's a. This is what he said. A list of wishes. This is what he said. Are you serious? He, he, he said that. Now, 
the wish list included Alan Alan Lazard, who plays for the Jets. Tight end. Uh, Randall Cobb, who plays for the Jets now. Okay? Also tight end. Mercedes Lewis, who will tight play end. for the Jets. Tight end. Tight end. Okay. Tight end. What do you mean? What? Yeah, all They're all tight those, ends. You've only named tight ends. Tight ends. Yeah. Oh, Four oh, eight oh, on. Sorry. You know, no <laughs> yards after the catch. Tight end guys. <laughs> all right. I, I, this that was very confusing to me, but yeah, and and you know, so I, I <laughs> I'm like. Yeah, Mercedes Lewis is a tight end. So what? What do yeah, you Denny doing? having another medical emergency? He told oh. me last week when I forgot about the Elijah Moore trade that he thought he was having a medical emergency. Uh, yeah, I, was- I really, I was like, did, did my brain stop working? <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, so I've I've have had Jets fans telling me all day that this is exactly like when Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay and he brought Rob Gronkowski with him. Which you know what? That is his buddy. You know, and and Randall Cobb and Aaron Rodgers have been buddies for fifteen years, or whatever. So that is in that way, it is similar. In uh, in one other way, it's not similar. In, in that Robert Gronkowski is the greatest tight end to ever play football, and Randall Cobb is a journeyman slot receiver. So I don't know if it holds up, you know, in, in the court of uh, public opinion. Well, Denny, you know, I Denny, know. I'm going to side with the Twitter eggs on this one. I think the two things are similar. I think they're both nepotism-based men at, at their profession, right? They're trying to bring their friends along for the ride. Gronk gets to show up like three weeks into the season and be like, yeah, I'm on the team now or whatever after just hanging out <laughs> with Brady in the offseason. Antonio yeah. Brown followed him from New England then to Tampa Bay. I'm just going to say, much like their success in the NFL – Brady's oh, just damn good on, at man. nepotism yeah. and Rogers is not particularly good at that part of it. That's actually a really, really good point. Like that Brady's good old boys network features players who are actually good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like just do that. Aaron Rodgers is like, I mean, Jake Kumro is like 38 now, dude. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like yeah. Joe Douglas says, and then darn deals off. Aaron Rodgers says, I, and then I, look to your deal I, for Jake Kumro 18 hours later. I understand, and uh, you know, folks online think I'm I'm worked up. I'm not worked up about Randall Cobb, but if not you upset, if, not upset. if you think that because people Jets keep, fans keep telling me it's a wide he's a wide receiver five he's never going to see the field. If you think that you are so <laughs> wrong, it's painful. R- Randall Cobb will be starting in the slot. He will have ninety five percent route rate on week one. You mark, mark my words. If Rupert Murdoch is listening, don't put it in the New York Post that Denny is mad. I'm, he, I'm not. Mad. Yeah, he, no, no one mad. would say that I'm mad or and that I have been mad all day. Real quick before we finally move on, Denny, just can you tell me a single difference between good and bad things? Because I think that's what we're getting <laughs> here. There, there I've been no online difference. enough to know that there is no difference. No difference between good and bad things. Well, this I'm going to throw you guys a curveball. I'm going to deviate. From the show sheet, uh, not that much because this is on the show sheet, but we spent all this time talking about Aaron Rodgers. We might as well talk about the guy who's going to succeed him at quarterback in Green Bay, Jordan Love, who arrived in the league, of course, as a first-round pick in the year 2020 and then proceeded to watch the player in front of him uh, just burn the league to the ground and win back-to-back MVP awards for then burning the league to the ground in a much different way and being terrible in 2022 and then holding us all hostage off season, but Jordan Love, you know, he he fell to the end of the first round in 2020. He was kind of like a divisive first round prospect, you know, very mixed resume. It was kind of like it wasn't as extreme as Trey Lance, but it was kind of like he was he was hyped more on like traits than he was on like production and that kind of thing. We just don't really know what in the world to expect out of Jordan Love. We know that it. It's the second time in a row the Packers have replaced like an inner circle Hall of Famer with a first round pick. 
just seems like kind of a lot different situation than it did with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, Kyle. Just what in the world? What should the what are like the proper expectations, especially in fantasy, for Jordan Love in 2023? Is there any QB one juice here at all? Yeah, from a fantasy perspective, I really struggle to see like where any excitement would come from. Cause like, even if you just grant that, like, oh, just let's just pencil him in. If I'm doing projections, pencil him in for like average efficiency. Let's say he's, I'd say that'd be a good outcome, right? If the Packers get at this point an average quarterback from a guy who is a pretty mixed prospect and then doesn't play for th- three years, it's been three years already. My God. It's it average- uh, unbelievable. It's been three it does years. Feel like- Yeah, Uh, to get average level play, like league average, he ranks 16th in every stat, would be kind of a win. I'd I'd be happy with that if I was a Packers fan, essentially. And I just don't see how that translates to any meaningful amount of QB production because the Packers don't play offense in a way that is going to foster good quarterback play unless that dude has a 7% touchdown clip like Aaron Rodgers did when he was a good fantasy quarterback. He wasn't that guy last year. Last year, they were minus 3% pass rate over expected 28th in neutral situation pace. And those are those are like the type of stats you see from teams that want to win games 13 to 10. And that's when they had Aaron freaking Rodgers. He was coming off back-to-back MVPs and they still were like, let's play boring, defense-oriented, not exciting football. How do you think they're going to play whenever they have Jordan Love on their center? So I'm not excited about it, even just from a situational perspective. Maybe he's good, but like Rodgers was good. He wasn't as good last year, but he was still fine. Uh, if they weren't going to open it up with that guy, like they're not doing Jordan Love. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers' lawyer, Joe Rogan, has contacted me, taking umbrage with that I said that he was horrible last year. I may have. He wasn't great, though. He was, I mean, he was was way fall off from that 2021 and 2020 guy for sure. I may have have overstated the case just a little bit. But yeah, it was actually the worst season of his professional career. Almost any way you slice it, it's really close to his first year as starter as Green Mm Bay. Denny, one of the reasons Jordan Love was divisive coming in 2018. He's really, really good at Utah State in the Mountain West. 2019, rather infamously, in 13 games, he had 20 touchdown passes and 17 interceptions. He had zero rushing touchdowns. Mm. It was a really, really, just like, really curious mixed final year in college for Jordan Love. And do you have anything to counter what Kyle said? There's, 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 there's no nothing QB one to see here, is there? I don't think so. I am a little more optimistic uh, about Jordan Love based on the fact that you know he sat for three years, but he was going to sat he was going to sit for fifteen years if Aaron Rodgers stayed there for fifteen years. Like he, there was no there was no scenario in which he would ussurp Aaron Rodgers. Just like Aaron Rodgers sat for however many years be, behind also three Brett Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Every every time Aaron Rodgers got into a game when when Favre was faltering at the end, you just knew you knew. Okay, well this guy's like a like a top tier starter in the NFL. Obviously, you don't know that with Jordan Love, but I draw some some hope, some optimism from uh, his uh, second half performance last year uh, against. Oh, the- I forgot how how the flame that lit in your heart that one yeah, half I mean, that one like deep deep like deep slant to to christian watson where he took it i think all the way it did Doing a lot fire. of lifting here that lit a fire inside didn't yeah it? yeah uh, uh he, he completed six of nine passes for 113 <laughs> yards and a touchdown uh you know his just eternal fellas his yes and, and and it is spring so this makes sense uh, adjusted yards per attempt in that game is nearly 15. Uh, you know, he has some ability to move around the pocket. I don't know if 
you know, he's going to add a bunch of rushing fantasy production. I don't think he is. Uh, I think it comes down to like, if Matt LaFleur is going to run this offense in the same extremely boring way that he did last year, then I guess there's probably nothing, nothing to see here as far as like every week starter, uh, you know, situation goes for, for Jordan Love. Um, if they change uh, a little bit, if they are a little more up tempo, if they are a little more pass heavy, then I, I, I do, I do think he's he's worth monitoring. But he'll probably be a streamer most likely. It really Roto is what Pat. I, I think it is uh, really going to be Aaron Rodgers' lawyers coming down hard on us after first you saying that it was a horrid season, but second you giving Jordan Love the credit to call twenty touchdowns and seventeen interceptions. Curious, whereas most people would call that a disaster. It was. Roger's not happy about that one either. And I think you guys got to the heart of the matter for Jordan Love for 2023, where even if he does come out looking like a new player, then we saw his final season at Utah State, just like a really polite, like a guy who actually did learn by sitting, which did happen with Aaron Rodgers, I suppose. Even if he looks really good, it's the system is just going to really be working against him. And especially with the receiver core still in flux. I mean, we saw a lot out of Christian Watson as a rookie, but still by no means a loaded skill core for the Packers. And so that even if Jordan Love looks better than expected, he's not going to he, – he's athletic, but, yeah, he was never like a – didn't operate like as a dual threat at Utah State. And it's just, it's not going to – even if he's better than expected, it's probably going to be like a wait till 2024 situation with Jordan Love. And there's just no reason to get excited about him in fantasy this year. There is a lot of reason to get excited with the next player we're going to talk about in redraft. We've already debated Anthony Richardson a lot in redraft, and I'm currently doing my first dynasty rookie draft. It's a super flex, so quarterbacks are valued very heavily. Bijan Robinson did go with the 1-1 to fantasy mansion, Matt Kelly, uh, going against the grain here in the super flex. Anthony Richardson went second. Uh, I had the third pick because I traded up for it. Uh, no, I had the third worst record, so I got the. Third <laughs> and, uh, I, I was like, okay, okay. Oh, and, oh, and, uh, I was it's super flex. Uh, my quarterbacks last year were Russell Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and Carson Wentz. Um, so I needed a quarterback. I took a quarterback. I took Bryce Young. I never even really considered CJ Stroud. And who would you consider the clear QB two from this rookie quarterback class for 2023? Denny, I'll start with you. Clear QB two. Um, I mean, I got to go with Anthony Richardson. No, no, he's the QB one. So who is the clear QB? Oh, two? oh I thought you were saying Bryce Young goes. No, 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 no. So I would have taken Anthony Richardson if I had the pick. Anthony Richardson is like basically the consensus no. QB one for twenty twenty three and in Dynasty and Superflex. Who would think, you say is the consensus QB two behind Anthony Richardson? I think Bryce. I think I, I, Bryce Young. I, there, there are some. There are some things about. Stroud that freaked me out a little bit, and 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 Bryce said, "Look, I, I I'm an I'm an analytics guy. I never watched a game. I never will watch a game. But the, everything I've read about Bryce Young over the past couple months says that uh, that dude is potentially special. And I don't mean that I've completely given up on the idea that he's too small because I do believe that he is too small. Um, but also, uh, he is an incredible football mind. And I think that he can immediately step in and distribute the ball, uh, in a way that a, that a veteran NFL quarterback would in, you know, an offense that will probably not be fantastic, but good enough and could be surprisingly pass heavy if they do trust Bryce Young, like I think they will. Yeah. Before I go to Kyle, I mean, the reason I took Bryce Young is just, there's 
He uh, between CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, I would say Bryce Young has the most concerning question mark, and that is his height. But in terms of like overall question marks, I just felt like CJ Stroud had so many more than Bryce Young, and that Bryce Young's question is big, but it's really the only question. But like, like if he doesn't get hurt, like I mean, I just feel like he looked like a future NFL superstar at Alabama. And but I don't know, Kyle, how do you see things? I mean, CJ Stroud is a very interesting prospect in his own right. Who do you think should be the second quarterback off the board after Anthony Richardson? Yeah, early in the offseason, uh, at the point in which we thought C.J. Stroud was going to go first overall, if you remember many years ago in this long draft process, that was something that actually happened. Uh, yeah. I actually thought like C.J. Stroud's analytic profile was slightly better than Bryce Young's. They're actually both like stunningly similar in terms of just like the raw stats they put up, their trajectory in the NFL, where they both sat as freshmen behind a future NFL quarterback to go on for two like purely elite seasons, but Stroud was a little bit better in like EPA per dropback type of stats. So I gave him a little credit there, but given that the NFL, you know, it was one, a one B I, I liked them both given that the NFL seemingly really decided on Bryce young being the number one, he clearly became the number one by the end of things. It was expected weeks ahead of time. And it was clear that the Texans also had him number one. So I think that the NFL widely, almost unanimously, unanimously agreed that he was better than Stroud. I'll split it back that way. When it was going Stroud one, I probably would have went with my own gut and went Stroud, but I am going to take, uh, I'd take Bryce Young where you took him too in super flex drafts. And, and I think, I don't know. I kind of think the opposite of like Stroud's uh, his shortcomings, right? I think he does have one pretty potential kryptonite, which is he was bad under pressure in college. There's not a way a way to split yes. it, right? He just he and he has the athleticism to scramble, but he didn't really do that, right? He just let the pressure get to him and throw inaccurate passes. So I do think that, although pressure statistics are are very like fluky, hard to pin down. That is a concern for him, that if he gets into the NFL and teams can just rattle him by blitzing or teams with good pass rushes can rattle him, there's just not that type of silver bullet in the on-field game in Bryce Young. Like Off-field, if you count his height off-field, he carries that height with him when he goes into the locker room, so I'll count as an off-field. It is a major off-the-field concern, Bryce Young's height. yeah, that, that is obviously a concern. And what he comes in, what it is, like 204, dude is not playing at 204, right? He, he How many gallons of water did that poor guy drink before he oh. weighed in at the combine? So, so sure, those are concerns, but you just cannot find a hole in his game when you look at the spreadsheets, where, unless your spreadsheet has height, of course. Uh, whereas there are, like, there's at least one kryptonite for C.J. Stroud. Didn't anything to add there. I do. Well, I, I wanted to add something about Bryce Young and the Panthers offense. And I found this interesting. And I, I, I was looking for the, a forum to share. I was thinking about writing about it. But no, I'm going to say it on the podcast. I, I watched the entire Carolina Panthers press conference after picking Bryce Young. Okay. All, all 55 minutes, folks. I did it for you. I did it you so you don't have pup. Yeah. And uh, David Tepper, uh, for some reason, spoke almost the entire time. <laughs> that that um, is his style. And uh, talked about how he didn't know anything about football, but uh, he said, you know, and he he pointed to uh, the GM and and Frank Reich, yeah, him, yes. And he said, uh, and he said, we signed Adam Thielen uh, with Bryce Young in mind. Uh, in that uh, Adam Thielen runs the sort of precise routes that they they believe would mesh well. With Bryce Young. So I just wanted to throw that out there for the folks to consume the fact that they were thinking ahead and saying, we need Thielen for Bryce Young. I think that that's something to file away. 
when Kyle talking about like tiebreaker being like real life capital in the NFL to, to get Bryce young, a team had to trade up, you know, how many spots was it? Uh, so he's they the kind of guy who was valued up right or nine, right? 10 yeah. or nine. And they, they moved heaven and earth to get up there. Yeah. So he was the kind of guy who was valued where he had to make one of those like Godfather offer trade deals. And so that is another bullet point in his favor. And CJ Stroud is going to be really I mean, one pick later. It's not like the draft capital is drastically different, but he was like seemingly the consensus number one player on the NFL's board for this draft. So will be a very interesting situation uh, going forward, hopefully the next 10 to 12 years. Uh, someone who supposedly was in the mix for the consensus number one on some people's boards was Will Levis, William Levis, as he's known, um, who did not beat out Sean Clifford at Penn State, of course. And he ended up falling to the second round. But he did land in a situation where rookie year starts are quite possible. The Titans seem to be in total rebuild mode. They seem to be in total I'm sitting right here mode with Ryan Tannehill as they <laughs> talk about like their shortcomings on offense and like talk bad about their quarterback, basically. One of those situations they made it clear they want this era to be over, even if it's going to continue this year. So Will Levis is he's a threat to make uh, rookie year starts. But then also there's a weird situation with Clayton Toon out of the University of Houston. He was kind of a he was one of those draft Knicks prospects where he he was pretty buzzed about is like a potential day two quarterback. He ended up falling to day three, but he ended up in Arizona where there's only Colt McCoy behind a rehabbing Kyler Murray. And Kyle, let's start with you. Who do we think is more likely to make 2023 starts? Will Levis in Tennessee or Clayton Toon in Arizona? Because we had a debate basically when we did our pre-draft blurb on Clayton Toon, when we blurbed it up on the site. So like, oh, you should probably make it more. Because I said he could maybe end up making 2023 starts behind Colt McCoy. And some of you guys pushed back on that. So I was just wondering who you thought was more likely to start this year. I think it's probably still Will Levis. Like you look at the past 10 second round picks and nine of them have gone at quarterback have gone on uh, since like 2019. I don't want to include the guys from like last year have gone on to start at least eight games in a season. That has not always been their first season. Right. But when you take a second round quarterback that guy eventually gets a chance it it doesn't always go well and I don't know if it will this time around those guys typically get chances where even when you just move into the third round let alone onto day three those guys are far from guaranteed to get chances this is a unique situation if I were talking about it but I do think we're probably more likely in for like the way Jalen Hurts stepped in at the end of the Carson Wentz era where like it was just time to move on and sometimes that time comes in week 14 sometimes you can cascade it into the offseason I I think it's very possible that that's what we get into with Will Levis, whereas Clayton Toon is going to go from a very quarterback-friendly offense in college to now a more pro-style offense. They they might just say, let's not go out and do anything embarrassing and let's play Colt McCoy, even if um, I would maybe argue that that's embarrassing. Like, go for broke. Find out what you have in this quarterback who you clearly have some value on. I don't think coaches think like that. I think they want the safe option, which would be Colt McCoy, who's – or they, they want Caleb whatever. Williams, by the way, in 2024, Kyle. I I can't give any credit for a team tanking. Uh, I No team, almost no team, not no team, but very few teams uh, really uh, really do the right thing, which is play for first or last. So I'm not going to give too much credence to that. I do like Tune a lot. I was one of those draft nicks you mentioned who I saw him as the QB six in the class. And that's, I think where I ended up ranking him in my post-draft dynasty rankings. And I think there's potential for starts, but it's a much more tenuous path. Denny. It's Levis. I mean, Levis is going to start like 
within a month of the regular season starting. If not just, if not just, if not just take the job outright. Look, the Titans are are completely out on Tannehill. Even Vrabel was like, you know, he's the starter right now. But who knows? Who knows? We'll uh, we'll see if I remember his name come August. Yeah, right now are the two most dangerous words when a coach is speaking. Yeah, you never yeah. ever ever want to hear right now. You know, it's the QB one tweet. Anytime yeah. your your team's Twitter account tweets QB one, start looking for your next job. <laughs> right. To, <laughs> that's analytics. Uh, it is. To, you know, uh, Tannehill's thirty five. Uh, they've they've hit that ceiling with with Tannehill like multiple times now. There's nowhere else to go. I think the so team they, knows that they're bumping their head walking down the center aisle of the airplane with Ryan that, Tannehill, and they can't even exercise like Russell Wilson no. on, that, on that airplane. So I think so the this is one of those really small regional jets. There's no nice business class international on this one. It's not a it's not a Dreamliner. I mean, come on, no, no, come on. It's the type. You guys ever you guys ever been on a Dreamliner? Never. No, ever. you're making words up. They're very nice. Anyways, you go on, Denny. So it's Levis. It's Levis, and <laughs> people are going to chase him in Superflex, and he's probably going to be pretty bad. But uh, you know, Superflex, it doesn't really matter because he's a quarterback, and you need quarterbacks. Look, One reason turn for a second, and maybe give the—it's not even as much of a pro tune. It's just uh, maybe we could tamper expectations a little bit on what we see from Levis. Like Tannehill has been. At his peak with Tennessee, really good. It was, I, I think, is manufactured in a way. Uh, but like, if you can manufacture really good play out of a quarterback, great, go for it. And last year he was like fine. He was like top fifteen in CPOE. He was top twenty in EPA per play, and he had terrible receivers. Like, I think if they are like, I don't know what eight and four heading into week thirteen or fourteen, like, are you really gonna bench that guy? And like, Mike Vrabel is such a good coach that it is easy to get his teams to be well above 500, right? I don't think they're not never, but I think it's unlikely that this is a team that is like really ready to give up on the season. The way like the Raiders gave up with Derek Carr, like they were not mathematically even eliminated yet when they actually benched Derek Carr. uh, And they were like, no, it's over season's done. I, I don't think Vrabel teams are super likely to find themselves in that situation. And I think barring Tannehill dropping again, which he has, he's kind of gotten a little bit worse every year in Tennessee. But if he just like sustains his play from last year and maybe picks it back up to where he was before that, that's that's a pretty reasonable scenario. And in that scenario, they're probably a pretty good bet to be in the playoff hunt until, you know, through week 18. So I think that's the scenario that is very possible that sees Will Levis not touch the field this year. And then he probably would have a pretty good shot at getting on the field next year. Cause I think even in even in that somewhat optimistic scenario. Like you guys said, they're still realizing that ceiling of having Ryan Tano. I think one reason it's more likely to be Will Levis than Clayton Toon too, is that I'm also, I, it could be Clayton Toon or the field behind Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy will get hurt. He's like in that stage where he gets hurt every time he plays. And I wouldn't be shocked if during training camp, if things aren't looking uh, too bright uh, behind Colt McCoy, the, they could just they could be like the t- team that signs Carson Wentz or whoever is out there. Carson Wentz is still a free agent, I believe, right? And yeah, or it could just so. easily that question like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> it could easily not even be Clayton Toon as the number two quarterback for the car. I mean, it could be Clayton Toon. Fifth round draft capital is not nothing, but it's not like you're not coming into camp as a fifth round quarterback and being like, he's got no competition for this number two job right now. And I could easily just see the Cardinals adding another quarterback. As Colt McCoy, because Colt McCoy, he can't play a football game without getting injured at this stage. He's like so brittle. Like, is every time he gets hit at this point, every time he gets hit, he's injured. 
And I could see it not even being Clayton. So Clayton Toon, a really interesting prospect. He's like a fun guy to draft in like these dynasty super flex leagues. But the dream has a long way to go before it comes to fruition with Clayton Toon. So Will Levis is unfortunately the very, very sensible choice to make be more likely to make rookie year starts than Clayton Toon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. We'll stick with somewhat obscure rookie topics where apparently the Texans, what round did they take Tank Dell in, Kyle? Do you know off the top of your head? I can't remember. third round was top of the third, I believe. That's right. It was in the top 70. Pick number 69, actually, for Nathaniel Dell out of the University of Houston to the Houston Texans. And uh, we got got some early steam on this. We got like a buddy narrative going where C.J. Stroud told reporters this week, he told the Texans to go out and get Tank Dell. Like, if I'm coming to Houston, I want Tank Dell. To be in Houston, Denny, uh, how much are we putting in this narrative? Are we getting excited well, about slot man? He is a slot man. Correct me if yes, I'm wrong. Yes, big right? time. Yeah, very Maybe small. He's very tiny. Yes. Very small um, slot guy. Very tiny, but humongous college numbers. And Kyle said a very friendly system. But uh, interesting prospect, Tank Tale. Top 70 pick. Apparently uh, was personally requested by CJ Stroud. Yeah, and and they uh, – <laughs> They bonded at the NFL Combine, apparently, and uh, C.J. Stroud said that he really liked the way that Tank Dell uh, ran routes, um, worked with him, explosive after the catch, things of that nature. So I, I do think that uh, I, I think that we we could have something here. There's just not much t- a target competition, really. I mean, what do you have? Dalton Schultz, um, you have uh, Nico uh, Collins. And uh, am I keep John? Keep no, you're, John you're Mechie more. could be coming back from illness. Um, Mechie, yes, right. You do no right. longer have Brandon Cooks. Um, it's a totally right. different, totally different receiver room for the Texans. So I mean, yeah, I think you know I, I, this is a cop out. I understand, but like deeper mm-hmm. leagues, PPR, you could do worse than Tank Dell. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, Kyle, where is he at in your dynasty rookie rankings amongst receivers? Tank Dell. I believe he is at 11. Uh, I had him a little bit lower than that, I think like 14 going into the draft. 
And because uh, I was I was understandably concerned that uh, the NFL would be afraid of his size, which off the top of my head, it leaves five, eight, one sixty five. And it's you just like don't Bruce find... Arians with the Cardinals. He drafted yeah. one of those. Oh, yeah, that's year. a good that's a good. He goes oh, Cardinals picked. What were they picked third? Arians with the Cardinals just takes him third. Right. And he's like, we got to get our guys. Arians love those small, like <laughs> small, speedy dudes. Uh, but man, his his production is like stone cold elite. It was like. 2,700 yards, almost 200 catches and just shy of 30 touchdowns over this final two years at Houston. And like, I don't care if they were running a pretty friendly scheme against weak competition. He had incredible dominators, like good yards per route run, like advanced metrics, basic metrics. It was all great for him. And then at least one team recognized that and spent the draft capital on him. And like Denny said, there's just no one uh, on this roster. Like, uh, here we go. Here's a good pop quiz. Denny, is Chris Moore still on this roster? He is. He is. He is not. He is no. signed with the Tennessee Titans. Titans are a funnel for mm. Texans players because like a bunch of the Titans staff, or some of them at least, used to be on the Texans. They have no one. I like like we're talking about John Mechie, who was unfortunately not able to play at you know at all as a rookie. As like, is he going to be able to start? Because they just don't have many many players. So I do think like. It's probably only in three receiver sets because I just can't imagine Dell really moves out of the slot at the next level. He played wide in college, but like it's a different thing playing in what I believe the Houston Cougars play in the AAC, not the ACC. They do the so, American Athletic Conference. Yeah, so like it's going to be a different beast, I imagine, for him to play on the outside at the next level. I doubt that happens. No, but in three <laughs> receiver sets. Happen. Yeah, in three receiver sets, though, I think he should see the field in, in all of them for this team. And they won't have a lot of competition for him when he's on the field to earn targets. Like, I think he makes sense as the team's like primary target earner when he's on the field, which won't be incredibly often, but I kind of like him. I, it sounds like I'm more excited about him than Denny. And, uh, you know, this might be a little bit of projection as I also am 5'8", and I'm not as I'm not as uh, muscular as him to it. To just a little one or two HGH doses away. Um, two, three, I, I actually five. I, I, this uh, conversation points uh, to Dalton Schultz seeing 155 targets this year. Actually, that really is the key. And also, I'd be remiss if I did not mention the Texans took the one of the only large receivers in this class in the sixth round, Iowa State's Xavier Hutchinson. Uh, someone to maybe keep your eye on in dynasty leagues, but also someone like who just, he's like not, he's like Tyler Tyler Boydy. Probably end up never playing. Um, speaking of man, I had to cut uh, today. I had to cut Giant. Uh, Diami Brown, Denny is, is dead. Um, something has fallen on Denny. Um, he looks very rattled. I'm um, <laughs> sorry, Denny. Are you okay? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what that was. Well, uh, sorry. For, was, sorry like he listener. lost like a ceiling tile. For the listeners, like something just came flying out of the sky. Maybe sent from like a government facility trying to silence him. Maybe not. We, I'm just, you know, thinking, vamping. Uh, we will give Denny... We'll give Denny a chance to regroup and we'll be right back for the second half of this podcast right after this. Every season is draft season. Get your Roto-World Draft Guide bundled today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. It's packed with profiles, rankings, and projections. Order today and get all three Roto-World Draft Guides for the price of two, plus use promo code BARRY and save an extra 20% off at checkout. That is promo code B-E-R-R-Y to save an extra 20% off at checkout. And don't forget, download the Roto-World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players in your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It is available in your app store today.
We are back. We hope we're all all right. Um, yes, I will. Danny is trying to figure out what thunderbolt fell from yeah. the ceiling. Um, we're, we're looking into that strongly at the moment. We are looking into it very, very strongly. You know who was looking into something very strongly was a Kyle Shanahan acolyte taking yet another running back. That's all they know how to do. And Mike McDaniel did it with Devin A. Shane last weekend in the draft. I can't remember. Was it a third-round pick? I really wish I remembered this stuff off the top of my head. Uh, but Devin A. Shane, very fast. Third-round draft capital for Mike McDaniel in a backfield. And frankly, did need to add a running back. We, we know the Shanahan system's obsessed with running backs, and the Dolphins got caught way, way short at running back last year. Like, too short. It's kind of embarrassingly short, especially with – like their passing game questions and two attack of Aloha, and then their injury issues. They just really, really needed more depth in the backfield. And they have it in Devin A. Shane, but he's not someone who really profiles Denny Carter. Correct me if I'm wrong, is an every down back. What is the rookie upside here for Devin A. Shane? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that there's a universe where A. Shane is, is used as a like a 20 touch guy. I mean, we have so few of those in the, in the NFL anyway. So he is going to, he's going to split. Uh, time here, but it, it is, it's encouraging that, you know, M- Mike McDaniel first d- very much wanted uh, to, to get Asian. He, he, he was badgering apparently the general manager. We got to get him here. We got to get him now. We got to trade up. We got to pursue. So they were very happy when they landed Asian. Also, he mentioned as, as he does, because he's, he's uh, obsessed with speed. He's a, an analytics dork like us. And uh, mm-hmm. so he says, uh, yeah, I mean, he fits what we're trying to do here. Because he's incredibly fast, and he is indeed fast. Maybe Kyle can mention just how fast he is. But uh, so he fits well with with in an offense with Jalen Waddle, with Tyreek Hill. Uh, I I think that you know his 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 receiving uh, potential is pre- is pretty nice here. I mean, we're talking about inserting an extremely fast, talented player into an three offense. Three two, by the way. So it's right. shockingly fast for any position, especially a running back. And yeah, and he and he's entering a Miami offense that was what while Tua was healthy last year was top five in EPA per play. So efficient offense. I don't think it'll take many touches for A Shane to get there for fantasy purposes. Kyle, I mean, I forget how does Devin A Shane project as a pass catcher? Because he had only twenty receptions in three years, um, about thirty games at Texas A and M. I know there's some optimism there. I oh, know that was that's not a correct stat. He had more receptions than that. It was like over sixty. He had, actually. yeah, yeah. He, he had in his final two seasons uh, was significantly better than what you were saying as a pass catcher. I don't think like he's an elite pass catcher. I think he's more of like he is a guy you want to get the ball to, and if that happens via the pass, that's fine. Like I don't think he's the route runner type that we talk about these other backs. But like, who cares? And I think it makes like. There's speaking to that point, real quick, he was extremely inefficient. He somehow averaged under six yards per catch last year, which is really, really bad, even for a running back. Yeah, he was better in the previous year. Uh, I think like there have been a few teams that are like they've reached the the bell curve meme of like there's a dumb person on the left and then a, a person who thinks they're smart in the middle. And then a person on the right who is really smart and they just say the dumb thing that the dumb person said. This is a team that has reached that because you're like, 
it's football. Draft all the fast players and get the ball to them. And you're like, no, you got to look at advanced metrics and stuff. And then Mike McDaniel, when I think of the probably the best offensive minds in the NFL, is like, no, we're going to draft fast players. We're going to get the ball to them. Like that's, that's this right. entire offense, and it's perfect. It's exactly what you want, especially for this team, this like scheme that thrives at getting its players the ball. And if those players can do damage after they get the ball, that's the money maker right there. And I think I think Danny's right that we won't see like. I don't even know if we'll see like 200 carries for him as a rookie, despite no, the no. strong draft capital. Probably like, like 150 if we're lucky. That's kind of what I'm thinking is somewhere in that, like JK Dobbins. I don't remember if anyone remembers his dynasty heads, carry on Johnson. And I come up with those guys. Cause they were both like extremely efficient, just on a yard, on a simple yards per carry basis, extremely efficient. And I think maybe a chain has more or a chain has more of a potential to do damage as a receiver too, just because I think this is the perfect scheme for whether or not he was particularly efficient in college. It gets its players, the ball in space. It does like the perfect thing. So I'm, I'm excited for his efficiency. I don't know. I doubt, and you know, frankly, he's 188 pounds. I think I doubt he'll ever even top 250 touches total. I know he won't really as a rookie, but I do think it's pretty fair to say he'll be one of the more efficient backs if he lives up to his potential. Again, it's hard to overstate how big the touches need for the Dolphins was in this backfield because you just weren't getting good, qual- high quality enough touches from Salvin Ahmed, Miles Gaskin, Raheem Mostert. They started to go with Chase Edmonds. No one remembers yeah. that. We've, we've oh, memory hold this. Man. But Jeff Wilson is still in the Dolphins mix, so maybe he could begin the year as the early down back, but – there's a backfield that just sorely needed a talent upgrade, and they've really got that in Devonation. We do know that Mike McDaniel's old boss, Kyle Shanahan, is very infamous for falling in love for running backs and then deciding almost immediately that they don't fit the system. We hope Mike McDaniel is not as picky as Kyle Shanahan is in San Francisco and that Devonation is given a chance to actually flourish as a rookie. But it certainly seems like a very good – he could definitely punch above his literal and figurative weight. Yeah, yeah. I, feel like I think a, one thing that makes me feel good about uh, that not being the case, I totally agree. It is very funny that you get the, the Shanahan tree guy pounds the table to the GM to get his man at running back, and he's not the guy it turns out. I think this time – famous last words – I think this time was probably different because stylistically, like, A-Shane is a perfect fit for this team because, most importantly, he was consistently, day in and day out, comp to Raheem Mostert. You know who thrives in this system? Of course, Raheem Mostert, who is on this roster right now. But, you know, he talked about, like, Colt McCoy guys who just, like, you can't give this guy a lot of touches. It's just, like, fact of the matter. That's Raheem Mostert, right? So I think because he comps so closely to Raheem Mostert, who's been so successful in this scheme, I mean, even just the speed of Raheem Mostert is, like, unparalleled. He does have, like, Every single year that he's healthy, next gen stats is like fastest ball carrier. It's Raheem Mostert every time. He's like very much like that. I think an important difference between Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan here too is whereas Kyle Shanahan basically has absolute power in San Francisco, Mike McDaniel has nothing even resembling that in Miami. So he truly did lobby heavily for Devonation, like the reports say. I think he invested in making this draft pick work. And where it's not like Kyle Shanahan, who's like basically the de facto GM in San Francisco, can just like cast you aside after using like a second round pick. On right. You. So I think it will be really any closing thoughts on Devin A. Shane Denny, or do I need to move on? I mean, the Dolphins backfield was was productive on a per touch basis last year, uh, top 10 EPA in the second half of the season uh, in, in rushing EPA. And that's with, you know, guys like. Jeff Wilson, like like a, a Mostert. I, I don't know if you'd say those were repl- Think, replacement level. Things of that nature. Yeah, they're probably more than a replacement level. But if you put someone exciting and, and extremely fast back there, I, I like his chances, folks. 
Speaking of exciting and extremely fast and potentially replacement level, Jarek McKinnon is <laughs> finally back with the, with the Kansas City Chiefs after just seemed like a pointlessly long courtship between the two. I think it was maybe for technical reasons related to the kind of contracts veterans can sign. Something happens after the draft. I forget what it is, but I think it was kind of like a technical hangup. While Jarek McKinnon was not back with the Chiefs, he is back with the Chiefs. I mean, no one is the Chiefs' backfield is just kind of a crazy right now. Like they turned down Clyde Edwards Elaire's fifth year team option. Uh, I forget, did they add anyone in free agency? Um, I don't think they did. Uh, so Isaiah oh, they added, was it Latavius Murray that they added? If no, no. I remember correctly, no, they, well, they have apparently Michael P. Ryan is on the roster, blast from That's the dynasty right. past. Um, so it's basically Isaiah Pacheco and CEH, and then Jarek McKinnon who keeps kind of like defaulting into PPR value, Denny Carter. Yeah. Any, I mean, any reason to be drafting Jarek McKinnon in the summer? Well, it's just kind of a class of thing. You got to aim higher. You got to take higher upside flyers. And then just knowing in the second half of the season, you'll be adding Jarek McKinnon in your PPR leagues. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I've, I've already come to grips with the fact that I'm going to be touting him as, as early as week three, probably as a PPR back, you have to get off the waiver wire. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing about the Chiefs offense is that they don't run the ball near the end zone. And that's good for guys like McKinnon and guys like Travis Kelsey. You may have heard of him. Uh, Patrick Mahomes averaged 4.3 pass attempts per game inside the 10 yard line last year. 4.3. The next, the next closest was cousins, Kirk cousins with three attempts inside the 10. No one was even in that range outside of those two. Right. So you get you get basically four and a half Mahomes attempts inside the ten. They're going to uh, the tight ends and the running backs primarily. Uh, only Austin Eckler last year had more targets inside the ten than Jarek McKinnon. That's where his value comes from, and that's what made him so maddening from like a regression standpoint last year. <laughs> was that we kept saying it can't happen again. He can't score two touchdowns on three receptions while playing 28% of the snaps. He can't do it, but he did because it's all the chiefs do is check down to running backs and tight ends where it counts. Yeah, man, that's one of the crazier stats I've heard all off season is 4.3 pass attempts per game inside the 10. Yeah, Wish I had known that stat last year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it would have changed anything. I knew. I was going to say you would have really started liking this Mahomes guy at that yeah, point, right? True. Yeah, he's quite good. But anything to add? Denny put quite a bow on the Jarek McKinnon situation there, Kyle. Anything to add? Yeah, I think he hit on the major points. Like, regardless of like how he's used in that, he's not going to get many carries, and he won't get like goal line carries. He basically looks nothing like a traditional running back. He's a really good uh, one. He's a really good player, I think. And two, mm-hmm. he's really good in the usage that he does get. It made him last year a top 30 running back in just total expected fantasy points. So Denny hit on all the major points. He gets used in the way that we would want a pass catching running back to get used. It's kind of optimal for what he can do. And uh, just to hit home how frustrating the he can't keep scoring touchdowns at this clip uh like gets like you know 13 touches oh i remember this one it was it's super chalk dfs like oh regression's gonna hit this guy you just wait and see you flip the cards he's like 30 percent rostered and you're like ah the fish are dead today and then he goes seven for 112 and two touchdowns through the air yeah just uh jerry mckinnon has proved just as like as you should never log off and never ever ever log off you should never release in your dynasty leagues. You hold until the end of time. If you drafted Jarek McKinnon when he was a rookie in 2003, 
You just hold, <laughs> hold, 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 hold. Never release. Never, ever, ever release. Although I did just release Diami Brown. So that means he's going to break out this year. Yeah, that, that, that probably won't backfire. No, never log off, never release. We're going to end the show talking about two players. Uh, Craig originally wanted to talk about a Monday, and we vetoed that. Um, no, we just didn't have enough time. <laughs> we got. You wanted to talk about two pretty interesting players, two kind of more of the down ballot guys. By the way, check out Kyle's rookie dynasty rankings on our site where you can read about all these guys, see them all ranked as, as our dynasty drafts get going. And it's going to have guys like who we're going to talk about right now, the undrafted free agent running back out of Syracuse, Sean Tucker, Denny. Yeah. He was originally projected to be a draft day two draft pick. He went undrafted. It's a very unusual situation. Take us through what that situation is and then break down his potential fantasy upside. Yeah, well, I just want to say first that our own Zach Kruger uh, did a great job writing up Tucker along with other undrafted free agents uh, on our site. So check that out when you get a chance. Highly recommend that. But yeah, I mean, Tucker was could have gone like like high in day two, you know, not not just like like hanging on for dear life on day two sort of pick. Um, and instead, he's an undrafted free agent. Now, uh, this was because uh, there was he has a, a medical issue or condition that we're not quite sure what it is, uh, unless that's cleared up in the past like hour or two. But uh, mm-hmm. as far as as I know, it, we, we don't know what it is. It freaked teams out enough for him to go un drafted which is really unthinkable for a guy with his profile outside of the 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 medical issue we're talking about uh a guy who last year um i'm sorry (laughs) 27 touchdowns in his career at syracuse uh over 3,000 rushing yards uh he added uh over 600 yards and four touchdowns through the air he was first team all american and first uh first team all acc in 2021 um, regressed a little bit last season, but you know he, he held his own uh, um, pro day, and you know, I, I, I don't really know how reliable those numbers are when guys hold their own pro days. But it it, it held up fine, like like the the metrics were good. Uh, and he goes, I you know the, the important thing here I think is that Tucker gets picked up by a Bucks team that says Rashad White is their unquestioned RB one, but there's a lot. I'm going to be kind here and say that there's a, there should be some question as to whether Rashad White is an RB1 on any team. And so he I think that he, there is a path for Tucker here. I you know on Twitter folks were a little upset about this. Oh, well, you're telling me to draft Sean Tucker? Probably not. You know, probably not, but but you know, in di- in dynasty you take him late. Uh, this season you just monitor him and 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 see where where he falls. Um but the profile is there. I I do like him. He's still only 21 years old and had two bell cow seasons, but isn't entering the league with like 800 carries, whatever it's five or 600, which is still a decent amount, but not as much tread off the tires as you get a lot of times for these bell cow backs coming out of college. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, any Sean Tucker thoughts? Yeah. I thought he was like a fine prospect. Like he's not really a tackle breaker. He graded relatively poorly in yards after contact, but in his peak season, like a true home run threat. And I believe he was a track runner too. And I think it was, you know, held his own pro day. Supposedly ran like a four, three at this pro day. His pro day, he ran a 3.98 40. Yeah. Um, Yeah. When you adjust up uh, the extra 0.05 seconds too, it's still (laughs) 4.03 or whatever. Yeah. You know, these, again, I, I agree with that. You take these with a grain of salt, right? But he does have a track background, so it does check out that he would be among the faster players, even for his size. I mean, 
it really, the hang up for me is frankly just the investment the team made in him. And maybe it is simply the medicals. They totally buy his talent and they just, uh, just weren't willing to spend a draft pick on it because of this, uh, like mysterious medical thing. I don't know though. You just don't see a lot of UDFA, UDFA guys really come in and make much of an impact. It is a very clear path, but also Rashad White was a pretty good prospect too. He was an elite receiving prospect, has the size to be a three down runner and he didn't really do any, it wasn't particularly good as a uh, rookie, but also his team was pretty bad <laughs> like as a rookie in that like you saw Leonard Fournette's numbers just completely crater from like he was fine in previous years to among the league's least efficient running backs last year got on the field a decent amount and even supplanted Fournette briefly as a starter. So I still mostly am holding the faith in Rashad White specifically because the team invested nothing, absolutely nothing in guys to potentially supplant him. Tucker's like a fun UDFA stash for me. I'd like to get him on some dynasty teams, but I'd, I'd really try, try and like temper expectations just for a guy who a team has spent so little on. Uh, even if, yeah, he's, he's like kind of interesting. He's the kind of UDFA that you, he's worth betting on because it's possibly fell for like totally superficial reasons and the maybe teams just like totally overreacted. I mean, it is interesting. All 32 teams saw something concerning enough not to draft him, but it could be one of those situations where, yeah, you're just basing a decision on talent. He's a kind of a no brainer UDFA flyer in your dynasty drafts. Talked a lot about the biggest skill player prospects in this class. Denny, Notice someone like a little further down the board that he wanted to highlight because it's it is time to do that again. These drafts are already going. You were very interested in Rams fifth round BYU prospect in the Puka Nakua. I'm sorry, Nakua. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing his name. Nakua. Nakua. You were very interested in Puka Nakua with the Rams. Why is that? Mostly because his name is just. I was gonna cool. say it's amazing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, we'll wrap up the show now. Now, um, <laughs> Puka Nakua. Look. <clears throat> yes, he went 177th in the draft. Um, but like Tucker, unlike some of the other players you talk about, he was drafted. He was. That's a good point. That's a good point. He's the only player who was drafted who I'm inter- interested in. This thing. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. But uh, you know, but I think that there is a path, like we just talked about with Tucker having some sort of path to touches in Tampa. Um, you know, barring some sort of medical issue. Anyway, Nakua has a path with the Rams because there's really nothing, no one behind Cooper cup in this offense. Um, and Sean McVay has done more with less uh, when you're talking about a, 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 a receiver like Puka Nakua, he had a, a 3.45 yards per route run last year. That was third highest in the entire nation at, at B he was at BYU last season. Uh, he was transferred from, from Washington, uh, he had a career yards after the catch catch per reception of seven point one, which is which is pretty good. Uh, he also uh, was used as a rusher. Uh, Thirty nine rushes during his time at BYU totaled over three hundred and fifty yards, five touchdowns. Uh, he averaged five and a half yards after contact per carry. Like he's, I, I feel like he's like a, a fun, he's a fun player. And I think Sean McVay can get the most out of a fun player like Nikola. And Kyle, real quickly, why did he fall to day three? <laughs> but, I mean, Den- Denny is absolutely correct. I mean, bad news for Ben, Ben Skrownik down bad. I'll say that with Puka. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he probably fell to day three because admittedly his, like a lot of players, 2022 season doesn't really exist. And he looked, I think he played three games. He 
averaged 50 some yards, like could have been on pace for some sort of breakout, but really his true breakout comes three years into his career after he transfers into out of the Pac-12, which shouldn't have a ton of competition for targets relative to SEC and Big Ten types of schools, and then doesn't reach like, a, you know, an elite 30% dominator type of threshold, good seasons and really efficient seasons. I mean, like, truly yards per route run, one of the better seasons you'll find, as Denny pointed out. But then he also registers like a 5.1 RAS athletic measurement score. Uh, He is not, I don't, I don't find him that interesting just because he's like late breakout, late declare, low level athlete, never reach high end production. No longer plays football. (laughs) Yeah. He's, he's signed with some accounting firm or something. I don't think he's really interested. No, but he did have like good efficiency in good final season and, third season metrics like there's something to like there he's got good size he's like 6'2 just over 200 I think and uh as Denny pointed out it is a clear runway to him passing the likes of like Van Jefferson Ben Skowernak and Tutu Atwell that's probably what you like most about it but uh I think uh, his profile to me is not uh pleasing to the spreadsheet based mind right and I think that he could just find his way into like major snaps in in that offense and I guess you know, that, that means that you could probably do worse. That's all. The Rams are just so weird because Sean McVay is one of the best coaches in the NFL, one of the best coaches already in like the past 10 or 15 years. So you would like to get excited when he like clearly personally identifies a player that he thinks can be a great fit for their system. But he's just done this so many times and they never are somehow. Yeah, I know. And so hopefully – see, like McVay kind of like changed up a bunch of his processes this offseason and then – it's kind of resetting the way he ran, runs things for the Rams, and maybe that he's doing something different. And I, I, I am more on Denny's side. I'm interested in Nakua just because of the need and because of the offensive mind. I just know, like, anytime Sean McVay pounds the table for someone, it seems like it ends up not working. But it does seem like that they've kind of changed. Weird how that's a really consistent weird. through line of a lot of these coaches just pounding the table for players, and it uh, doesn't work. They need to listen to spreadsheets more, is what they need to do. So. <laughs> And uh, we need to end the show more. Um, it's over. So, uh, Bye. Yeah. Hope you're happy with yourselves. That was a really oh, good I show. Am. Really, really good show. We made a lot of – not a whole lot going on this week. <laughs> and uh, we found a lot to talk about. We hope you enjoyed listening. We hope you enjoyed listening on this Wednesday. We'll be back next week on Monday and Thursday. Um, so for Denny Carter, for Kyle Dvorak, I am Patrick Darty. Uh, yeah, we'll be back. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. My cat Rachel is the silliest cat I know. One time, she played inside a paper bag for three hours. What a mystery. But I'm glad her health isn't. Thanks to the color-changing litter from Fresh Step Crystal's health monitoring litter. This premium color-changing litter has pH-activated crystals that can help me detect potential illness early. That makes it easy for me to stay on top of her health and well-being. I may not understand all of Rachel's silly quirks, but I can keep up with the important things. Find Fresh Step Crystal's health monitoring litter at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company.